Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Christmas is a powerful holiday. It's not just one of those simple little things. You know, President's Day, that's kind of a vanilla holiday. It kind of comes by and no one comes singing to your door singing, it's a grand old flag, it's a high-flying flag, like they would sing some of the Christmas carols. For Labor Day, I don't see anybody putting up inflatable plumbers on their front yard, looking for that. But, but Christmas is a big holiday. It's a powerful one because God is showing, in some sense, His power. The power that He has in terms of sending His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior of the whole world. And when you look at all that he has done in terms of making that all happen, how the prophecies of old all were fulfilled in Jesus, and how God made all those prophecies presented to us in the Bible as pointing to Jesus. And then you have the angels coming to Mary to announce something that was really not according to normal natural laws, a virgin birth. And angels coming to shepherds. And now on Epiphany, which means showing forth, we see God coming and sending a star, putting the star in the sky, to lead these wise men from an area we're not sure where, someplace east of Jerusalem. Have these wise men come to worship Jesus. Christmas is a powerful holiday and shows the power of God. I believe that if I were to have a conversation with most of you today, I think the majority of you would say that you really would like to have your life in harmony with God. And you would like to live your life with God and celebrate with Him what He has done for you. And you'd like to live your life much closer to the problem is, is that so often we don't do what we want to do. And how many of our New Year's resolutions that maybe we made yesterday, in terms of how we're going to devote ourselves to God and follow Him closer, and we're going to follow more and practice of devotion and prayer life and all these other things, and how many of those will break and not too much of this where the presence of God invades my life and attracts me? How is God going to come to me? If it's true that most of us don't live the way we want to live in our relationship with God, then, then what's the problem? Why don't we do what we want to do? We're just so busy, is it? We have so many things going on and so many things intrude on our life that, that finally we don't have any place for God left at all. And Jesus kind of gets lost in the shuffle. I believe that one of the reasons we don't live the Christ-following lives is that we rely on our own power for the living rather than relying on God's power for the living. So many of us, 
I have to do it myself. It's a category. Settle to do life on our own power, rather than to rely on the power that Christ has. The Gospel lesson that I read just a little bit ago begins with Jesus was born in the town of Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. It's interesting that that's the total substance of what Matthew says about the birth of Jesus. And Matthew doesn't have all these things about shepherds and going and going and all that comes from Luke. But that's what Matthew does. And here's Herod. Herod might be called Herod the Great. But it would probably be better if we would name him Herod the Second. He was really out of balance. He had lost it. He had committed adultery. He had lied. He had murdered people. And those were the people that he liked, members of his own family. He had done a few great things, but for the most part, he was a despicable person. And so in these people now, Matthew says, during the time of King Herod. And so then comes, but about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We have seen his star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Herod was deeply disturbed by their question. That's about the strongest language that the Bible uses to talk about how upset Herod was. He was extremely, extremely disturbed by it all. He was really, really, really disturbed because he was the king. And if someone comes and says, we're looking for the new king who was born king of the Jews, Herod would be one of the, wait, 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 hold, hold on here. Um, I am the king of the Jews. And to be disturbed is kind of that. Now, I don't have much kingly experience. My knowledge of kingdom is going to that place where they sell lodge. <laughs> and I really don't understand all of this stuff about kings and natural progression and all that kind of stuff. I don't get all of that, but I can kind of understand Herod's concern. He is there and he is trying to find out. So what's going on? What does Herod do? When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. Herod was not a God-fearing person. He was not a godly individual. But yet he knew, and he knew enough of the story to know that there had been this promise that sometime along the line there was going to be a Messiah who was going to come. And he's thinking that maybe this is the time, and so he is trying to manipulate the situation so that he can find out just where, and just where this all is supposed to happen. And he's trying to put some of the pieces together. Here is feeling some of the heat, and he is feeling very uncomfortable with what's going on. And that's probably an understatement to say that he is uncomfortable. So then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them 
when the exact time the star had appeared. He sent it to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I too may go and worship him. Eric was so occupied with trying to get rid of this supposed king of the Jews that he's enlisting all the help of everybody that he can find. And he's even asking the wise men to kind of turn into double agents. They're supposed to find out so that he can then deal with this matter in his own way. And what happens? God comes to the wise men and tells them to go home a different way. And then the Bible tells us that Herod realized that he had been outfitted by the Magi. He was furious. And they gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and his vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Herod is thinking that if I can wipe out all these babies who were born, if I can take care of all of that, that's going to present me with some security. That's going to keep me in harmony with what I want to do. And so, this guy is really in his power. And he is trying to exert his own power. But the key is that I want to get in the power of Eric. Massive power. He wants enough power so that he can control his destiny. And he can do what it all happens. And he wants to be in charge. And then about three verses later comes this short little statement. When Herod died, talk about power. The ultimate power that finally becomes death. And Herod experiences all that and in his puny kingdom that he tried to maintain control. Ultimately, the development power then becomes death. And here in this of all, when Jesus came, Herod thought that Jesus came to threaten him. Jesus came to save him. Herod thought that Jesus came to make his life uncomfortable. And Jesus really came give him eternal comfort. Herod thought that Jesus was going to steal this power. Jesus came to give him real power. And that was the power of God for eternal life. Christmas is really all about power. God's power in action. It was God's power that invaded humanity in this very simple way of a baby born in the Bethlehem who was lying in the manger. It's the birth of Jesus that becomes, where God becomes human for us. It changed the natural laws of the virgin birth. God's power toiled the plans of a powerful named Herod. It was God's power that provided all those biblical prophecies that ultimately led to the wise and coming 
to worship Him. It was God's power that set us start to make the announcement to these wise men to come and worship Jesus. The presence of God reveals the power of God and brings the peace of God to your life. That's the summary of Christmas. That's the summary of what happens as we celebrate every 12 days, Christmas, and why we celebrate it every year. The Bible says, For the kingdom of God is not just fancy talk. It is living by God's power. It's not just a nice little story. It's a powerful story. It's a power of God entering into history. And while we might think of the nice little scene of baby at the manger scene and all of those kinds of things, it's really a story of God's power, of God taking control of the sin that is so often affects the world. I'm guessing that most of you would not have any trouble understanding that God is powerful. You would probably agree with Jeremiah when he says, Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you. But most of us would probably say, God is powerful. But is that power accessible in my life? Probably many of us would say, God is powerful, but but how do I tap into that? That power that we read about, God invading history and controlling all of these things that led up to the birth of Jesus and finally Jesus' death and resurrection, God doing all that, is, is it accessible to me today in the 21st century as I live my life and as I go about the things that I do? The psalmist says, God gives power and strength to his people. If that's true, and it is, then where can I count on God's power? When can I count on God's power? Can I count on it when I'm afraid? We are afraid of terrorist attacks. We're afraid of COVID, cardiac, common cold, and cancer. We live in that kind of fear regularly. We could probably add a whole list of other things that cause us fear. Fear like family relationships and finances. Can I count on God's power? Can I count on it when, when I worry? And we worry a lot. We worry because we are nervous and uptight about the future because because we really can't control it all that much. Can we count on God's power? Can I count on it when I'm hurt, whether that's a physical hurt or an emotional hurt? Can I count on it during those kinds of times when hurts are very hard to handle? And, and can I count on God's power then? Can I count on God's power when I'm and maybe you can fill in the blank of whatever it is that you're there. What challenges are you facing? What difficulties are before you and how are you going about doing it? 
This is what Christmas is really all about. God had made in history so that he could die on the cross, so that he could be buried, and three days later be resurrected, and then he would come and live among us, the Word and Sabbath. That's what Christmas is all about. It's God becoming part of our life and part of our situation and coming into where we are and how we go about doing it. God's power can come to me when I am really worried about my eternal salvation or worry about the future or the present and when we are. Jesus told us over and over that nothing, nothing, nothing can separate us from God's love in Jesus Christ. The Bible says, He, God, never grows faint or weary. He gives power to those who are tired and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. I love the idea, don't you? That God never gets tired or weary. He never sleeps. He never takes a vacation. He is with us all the time. And how many of you, don't raise your hand, how many of you would say, He gives power to those who are tired and worn out? Yeah, yeah, that fits us, doesn't it? The Apostle Paul writes, God said, My power works best in your weakness. So now Paul says, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. I stand here before you today alone. But really I'm not alone. Because the power of God is with you. And you might be sitting there with family or sitting by yourself sitting with strangers, but God's power is there with you as well. You've got that power. You've got Gary. You've got Gary who really thought he was going You've got Gary who thought that he was going to be in control of the situation, and then as the Bible says that Gary died. He didn't have really the power he thought he did. And you have Joseph. Joseph, who was not a powerful man, from all we know about Joseph, he was a humble, ordinary kind of guy. And yet he believed when the angel came to him and said that Mary was pregnant with the Messiah. He followed the direction as the children, as Mary and Joseph and went to Egypt, and here it was on his highway, baby boys. Joseph. That's the kind of difference between those two. The difference is that Herod relied on his own power. Where Joseph relied on the power of God. He stepped out in faith. Joseph believed Joseph believed the angel. Joseph believed God. Joseph believed. Do the right thing. Do it God's way. Don't trust in 
human wisdom or human power. Trust in the power of God. The Apostle Paul tells us, I did this so that you might trust the power of God rather than human wisdom. Jesus is the central character in the Christian story. God gives us his power through Jesus. And you need to be the kind of person in your life. The power doesn't come without the person of Jesus. When you have that relationship with God through Jesus, you are his child. A lot of people think that they are connected to God. There are somewhere between six and seven billion people in our world today who are all created by the power of God. Most of them don't even know it, but they are. But they're not children of God. Children of God are people who have a relationship with Him. And we become children of God because God loves us through Jesus Christ. Because God died and rose again so that you and I, you and I can be assured that we will be with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. That's why Jesus came. So that we could have that kind of power, that kind of assurance that God is going to be with us all the time. The Bible teaches that when you have a relationship with God, you become His child. And don't you think that God the Father in heaven wants to give his children, us, his greatest and best gifts. Don't you think that God the Father wants to let us know how important we are to him? The Bible says that since you are his children, he will share his treasures for everything God gives to his son. Christ is ours too. Christmas is the celebration of God's power in our life because God's presence came to his people, to his children. He gives us his power so that we can have peace in our lives. We can learn a lesson from the sad life of King Herod. It's always better to step down from the pedestal than to be not often. Here it is the opportunity of his life. Here it was that God did everything necessary to get Herod's attention. He sent messengers from the east who talked about it. He sent wonders from the sky and words from scripture. He had the great speakers, the great scholars of his city come to him and tell him about the Messiah and who he was. But Herod refused to listen. He chose his puny dynasty over Christ. And he died a miserable only. God uses every means possible 
to communicate with you. Allow God to show you Jesus and lead you again to the manger where there you can see how God came to be part of our history, part of our life. Let God show you again the cross where you can see that Jesus died to take away your sins and to pay the penalty that you had to pay and he did it for you. Let God show you again the empty tomb where he rose from the dead to say, just as I rose, so you too shall rise and death no longer can have dominion. See God. See God in His Word. See God in the announcement that your sins are forgiven. All of them. Not just some of them, but all of them. See again the waters of baptism, how God adopted you and made you His child, and you are part of His kingdom, part of His family. And see again the wine and bread of communion, the bread and body and blood of Christ. And see again here the assurance that God says, You are my friends. For you I care about. You I love. Here it is at home. God used a lot of things to try to draw you. And God uses all that for us. Because what? God loves us. And God cares for us. And God loves us. you pray with me? Dear Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the love that you have given to us. We thank you that you came to show us your power. And that you give us that power through the power of the Holy Spirit, whereby you have made us your children. Help us, Lord, to see you, to see Jesus, the Word and Sacrament, and the cross and the empty tomb, and the waters of baptism and the bread and wine of communion. The Lord, help us to see you. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's children say.